welcome to the June episode of International Voices. My name is Udo Fluck. I oversee the Arts Missoula Global Office, and I'm the host and moderator of this podcast series. To listen to episodes from the last two years, please visit artsmissoula.org, click on Global, and visit Radio and Podcasts. International Voices is a monthly podcast brought to you through a collaboration of Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. This episode is dedicated to the upcoming concert of the University of Montana's Chamber Chorale, currently on a European tour that brings the Missoula Singers on Friday, June 17th, for a much-anticipated evening concert to Missoula's sister city Neckargemünd in Germany. Dr. Corinne Duffy, conductor of the University of Montana's Chamber Chorale, Dr. James Randall, director of UM's School of Music, choral member Saxon Hallbrook, and UM choral students Mira Smith, Spencer Price, Kayla Sprenger, and Sophia Bui are my guests today. This episode of International Voices was recorded in May before the University of Montana's Chamber Chorale left Missoula for their European tour. It's my pleasure to have the opportunity to talk to Dr. Corinne Duffy, the Director of Choral Activities at the University of Montana School of Music. Corinne, thank you for your time today and for joining the June episode of the International Voices podcast. You will be conducting a whole group of International Voices. Please tell us about your International Choir Tour. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me, Udo. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with you today. We are bringing our UM Chamber Chorale on a tour that's going to be uh, beginning in London, where we have some spectacular invitations to open a concert at Cadogan Hall. Um, it's, uh, we will have our own solo set, half an hour of Chamber Chorale music featured at this major hall, um, followed by uh, the UK premiere of a choral orchestral work called Tuvehun Beatitudes for a Wounded World. It's by Kim Andre Arneson, and we'll be joining several choirs for that UK premiere. Um, and then the next day to perform at another glorious hall in London, um, Suffolk Cathedral. Oh, wow. Yes, and that, that'll be fantastic. Um, so after those two major performances in London, we hop right on the plane and head to Germany, where we have a wide array of performances and even a competition in Germany. I remember when I first heard about your international summer travel plans, um, way back last year in the fall, I think we talked about this for the first time. A lot has happened since. Can you tell us some of the highlights of planning an international choir performance tour? Absolutely. This, let's see, this particular tour has been in the works since summer 2019, um, where the UM Chamber Chorale had the opportunity of participating in the Montana International Choral Festival right here in Missoula. Right. And one of the participating choirs was the Darler Consort out of um, Saarbrücken, Germany, conducted by Georg Grün. And that is a professional consort, uh, uh, one on a part, fantastic uh, choral group. And uh, we ha had the chance to talk a little bit and um, Georg invited us to 
um, apply to be a competing choir at the Mark Toberdorf competition, which I believe he has won in the past, and he has also been, I believe, an adjudicator for it, and has been involved in many ways in the Mark Toberdorf um, competition since its inception. And um, he also invited us to uh, participate in an exchange with his university choir at the University of Zarbrücken, which he, um, he offers to acquire every other year as they make their way to the competition in Marktoberdorf, they make a stop first in Saarbrücken, which is um, near the French border of right. Germany. Right. Um, and so we're really looking forward to that beautiful on the Saar River. Right. Um, so we said yes, and we planned the whole thing that was originally to happen in 2021. But then due to the pandemic, the whole thing was postponed until 2022. But uh, he reissued his invitation. We applied to be a competing choir in the competition. Not only were we accepted into the competition, but then um, Georg uh, discovered that he would be selected to be the uh, clinician for the International Conducting Masterclass. Wow. And he asked us to be the Masterclass Choir. Wonderful. The other clinician is Ko Matsushita, world-renowned uh, composer and conductor. So they will be the two conducting clinicians for the master class. And we said yes, and we now have a whole body of repertoire that we'll be performing and, and, and working on with these, get, these guest conductors. These right. are going to be up-and-coming conductors from around the world who apply for the opportunity to work with these clinicians and to work with our choir. Right. So now we're, we've added those events onto the tour as well and then more things to follow even after that happens and the wonderful example for the power of music and the power of musical planning that covid really didn't stop anything it just sort of delayed it for a bit and now it may even be grander than it would have been in 2021 i think so and we're all just going to value the opportunity even more right right I know that you conduct the uh, chamber um, chorale and uh, the university choir. You teach conducting choral methods and chorale methods, and you supervise student teachers and students. Can you tell us a little bit about what this international opportunity means for you professionally? I think anytime we have an opportunity as musicians to break out of our comfort zone, our sort of inner circle of our right. colleagues and friends. Um, it's just a chance to get out there and, and get to work with people, get to meet people. Um, right here in our own backyard, you know, the International Choral Festival that happens once every three years in Missoula, you know, in 2019 was such a beautiful blessing for me to get to see all these people right here. Um, and now to get to go and, and do a competition like this, which is a very high profile competition in Mark Toberdorf, um, for me, it's just going to expand the people I get to meet, the ones I can reach out to, to invite them perhaps to come and, and work with me in various circumstances later. And, you know, perhaps they'll issue the same sort of um, invitations to me. So that, that kind of networking is something you can't do every day. Right. Now, music is music no matter where you go, it's truly um, a world language. What is different about an international uh, choir trip for a conductor than compared to uh, a national tour? 
Well, let's see. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that um, we get to, our students get to interact with all of these choirs from around the world. Right. Uh, myself included, um, and all of our singers. And, you know, when we travel regionally or around the state or nationally, um, of course, those opportunities are very exciting too, but uh, all the choirs are, are, for the most part, other American choirs who are, you know, working on a lot of the same things. So this is getting a chance to expose ourselves to literature we might not know that these other choirs are right. experiencing. Um, some of the folks who come will be composers in and of themselves. Like we will get have a chance to do a meet and greet with Kim Andre Arneson, the composer of the major work we'll be, we'll be performing in London. Um, we'll be getting to work directly with Komatsushita, the composer of two of the pieces we've been singing this year. So, you know, you get to actually interact with the, the, the names that you've only been studying on paper, right. bring them to life. Um, one of the most important things to me as a conductor is uh, performing repertoire by living composers. Okay. Um, so getting to work with someone like Ko Matsushita directly on a full week of a master class. Right. He's also one of the judges for the competition. Okay. So he'll perhaps be able to give us some feedback about our competition performance as well. Um, those are the sorts of things that um, are unique and stay with you for life. Right. Now, you are also a composer. Your works are published by Walton Music, ECS, and Pavane Publishing. Will you be sharing some of your compositions internationally? Maybe not on this tour. I've done so previously in a conference setting um, where I've discussed um, you know, particular issues and my own music. Uh, this tour, we don't have any of my own music on the docket. Maybe the next one. We'll see. Um, you are also the artistic director of the Missoula Community Chorus and serve on the board um, and the artistic com uh, committee for the Montana International um, Chorale Festival. How important is an international choir tour for Missoula, for our community, and for the state of Montana? Well, when I moved here, I've been here since fall of 2018. When I moved here, learning about this festival that we have here in town was one of the most exciting things to me, to be able to, you know, that we've had this in Missoula since I believe 1987 mm -hmm. was the first um, international choral festival. Um, and I've, I've been working on the festival ever since, as you just mentioned, on the artistic committee, and I also serve on their board. Um, and the, you know, the University of Montana Chamber Chorale has been a participating performing choir. I believe in it so strongly. And I think that um, on this tour, I'll also be an ambassador for the festival. You know, I'll be talking up our festival when right. I meet all of these incredible choirs on right. the tour and encouraging them to apply. Our next festival will be in July 2023, also postponed due to COVID. Right. But like you said, I think next July it will be bigger and better than ever. And we'll all be so excited to welcome these choirs right here to Missoula. Um, so us going on this tour, it means so much. I think also to the University of Montana, this is the first time that uh, a choral program through the university will uh, be competing mm -hmm. internationally okay. ever. Okay. Uh, so it's a first, and for it to be one of the most high-profile and difficult competitions uh, in the world, um, I think it's just a um, an element of prestige uh, that, that that our choir has never been able to do before. 
um, and we, we can say like, hey, we got into this competition, we are going and we're going to give it our all. Right. Um, we're all so proud about right. that. You should see the looks on the faces of our students um, when they talk about how we, we're doing this competition. And some of us are naturally more competitive than others. Sure. You know, a lot of us are just going to really just enjoy the process, not to say, right. hey, we're going to we're going to be stronger than this choir. Sure. We know the other choirs are going to be sensational. We're just happy to be able to be on the same stage as right. these wonderful choirs and, and to do a great job to be able to do the master class. Um, that's really what it's all about. But I think that um, as far as raising the profile of the University of Montana, you know, and I'm proud to be a part of our, our school of music, my faculty colleagues are extraordinary. And um, I'm glad that we'll be able to do this and really get, get our name out there, the UM Chamber Chorale will be a, a household name internationally, which right. is what we want to do. Well, and I think what's so nice about this is that it's really an intercultural activity, meaning you are going there this summer, and next summer um, choirs will come to Missoula. So it's not a one-way street. It's actually an intercultural exchange that both can benefit. The, the, the one that is hosting somewhere in the world and we as the home base um, when, when choirs come and, uh, and perform here. That's absolutely true. And in fact, uh, Georg Grun's uh, university choir, uh, Korverk Zar, was going to come this year for the International Choral Festival. Um, so we would have done the exchange in the same summer even. We go to Germany in June. Right. Uh, he comes to um, our festival in July. The festival has been postponed, but I believe he is planning on bringing his choir next July, and we will be able to do some of the similar exchanges that we're doing in Zarbrücken this summer. I'm going to be giving a master class for him next summer. He'll give a master class for us, hopefully, at the right. university right. Um, when he's here for the festival. So that's happening definitely. It's already in the works, right. like you right. said. And then, of course, we hope that others will follow suit and say, what a wonderful opportunity to come to, to Montana and enjoy our hospitality. So. Um you start in England, then you're going to Germany. And what's really special, um, when, when I really perked up when we initially talked about this, is that you said we would like to do um, the final performance of the tour in our sister city, Neckargemünd, close to Heidelberg, that we have had for almost 30 years. And, um, and while this was a dream of yours, uh, just a couple of months ago, it now is reality, and there is a venue booked, and everybody is getting excited in Neckargemünd for you to come. From what I understand, June 17th is the date. Tell us a little bit more about um, what that means to you to be in the sister city of Missoula. Yes, as soon as I found out that we had a sister city that was so close to, we're going to be, uh, after we conclude the master class, we'll be heading to Munich and we'll be doing a concert there, and then to Heidelberg, and then to do our final concert in Neckargemünd. And as soon as I found out our sister city was so close to where we would be, right. um, that was a uh, number one priority, was to make sure we'd get to not only go there, but to perform there, right. so that we could you know, have a public interaction with, uh, with some of the people in the town. I think it's really exciting um, that Missoula and Neckargemünd have this sort of connection as sister cities. And I know that you also have um, many colleagues in Neckargemünd who also have been working on getting this to, to be set up. And you, Udo, will be there for that concert on June 17th. It's going to be at 6 o'clock 
in the evening um, uh, that local time in Neckargemunt and we've invited you to offer some remarks from the stage hopefully in German and perhaps in English as well um, to help connect um, you're the glue <laughs> that's going to tie it all together for us well, and that will be our concluding concert of this epic tour. You're very kind, uh, Corinne. Luckily, I will not be singing um, in the choir. <laughs> well, luckily for for uh, for both, um, uh, I think audiences, the uh, the local audience, <laughs> and and for the choir itself. Never say never, Udo. Well, that's true. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I'm I'm uh, when I found out that this will be uh, in the time frame that I will be in Germany. Uh, anyway, last time I was in Germany was before the pandemic, and who knew that um, uh, you know there would be one? And so you, you, I guess now we know you. You always have to think about you might not be able to go back to a place uh, whenever you want, and and we had to learn that the hard way. I have um, parents in Germany, and my wife has parents in Germany, and um, a brother. That is married and and has a child, and so there's uh, there is family connections, and we had to wait uh, for the pandemic to be at least now at a stage where international travel is again something that um, that can be done, and so we're just super excited. When I heard that the concert is June 17th, I thought this is great because from where we will be to Neckargemünd, which is very close to Heidelberg, and most people probably have heard of Heidelberg uh, as a historic German city. Yes. You know, it's like driving from here to Hamilton, uh, <laughs> something that can easily be done. Sure. And there's no excuse not to. And so we're, my wife and I are planning to be there and, um, and to cheer you on and, uh, and to just um, absorb the, the international flair of uh, you know having having a, a choir that has come a long way and has toured through Europe and then does the final performance in the sister city Neckargemünd that's just really really neat. Where better to do the final performance than in our yeah. sister city? You're very kind. Um, these days where communication between um, between countries is um, not all that easy. And uh, oftentimes I'm wondering if, because of the fact that uh, language and culture is a very intertwined structure and oftentimes something can be lost in a translation or can be misinterpreted in a translation, um, how effective we have been in communicating clearly what should matter to um, to everybody, and I'm I'm thinking no matter what language you do that communication in, you'll always have translation issues naturally, except if you if you use the only truly international language that everybody can understand, and that is music. How? can an international choir performance help with that? As almost in the idea of music as cultural diplomacy. I strongly believe music is the way that we can build radical empathy for each other. Oh, I like that. Radical empathy. Which is what we need right now That's, more than anything. I agree. 
I agree. And choral music is unique because it's texted, so it offers even more insight into the originating right. authors right. or originating cultures of those texts, whatever language they may be in. Right. And in choral music, you know, we, we work very hard to understand not only the origin of the text, but also the way the composer has interpreted it. Yes. And then our performance is yet another layer of interpretation upon that. Right. So we bring together all of these forces, including language, harmony, music, culture, and we try our best to honor all of those things. And when we're in an, a festival, an international festival with other choirs, then all the more so, we're trying to understand each other. We're applauding each right. other. We're giving right. standing ovations to each other. Right. Um, you know, Mark Toberdorf, they have a big tent set up. So after the concerts, we all get to go and hang out and they have a band playing at night. Sure. We get to toast each other. Right. What is better diplomacy than that? So it's really about building community. Of course And it it's is. really about connecting with the other, no matter how different they are, because the music is the connecting piece. That's why I chose this profession. I, 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 I applaud you and congratulate you for this uh, wonderful opportunity. Thank you, Udo. Several of your students accompanied you today, and I'm excited to hear their voices, which soon will be enjoyed by international audiences in Europe. So let's bring those young people in and, um, and hear from them about um, what that means to them to perform outside of the United States and, uh, and um, how this may move them and, um, and give them new meaning in what they're doing. Wonderful. Thank you, Udo. Of course. Thank you. Welcome Mira Smith, Spencer Price, Kyler Sprenger, and Sophia Bowie to the May episode of International Voices. And we'll start with Mira. Um, thanks so much for coming today and for being part of this. Thank you so much for having me. Um, what excites you about your upcoming performance abroad? You know, it's, it's hard to know where to start. Um, first of all, being able to travel for choir is something I feel so grateful for. I'm so excited for that. Just, um, just the idea of a tour, I think, is extremely exciting, especially after, you know, these past two years. Right. Um, I think it will be very, very exciting to do a cultural exchange um, in the different performances that we're doing around London and Germany. I think, um, I think it will really foster a sense of unity um, with everyone, so. Have you performed outside of the United States before? Is this your first time? This is my first time. Oh, how exciting. My first time, I cannot wait. Yeah, I remember um, when I was 11 years old um, in middle school choir, it was my first time. I remember my director talking about how when she was in college, she went to Europe for a choir trip and it was such a great experience and she loved it so much. And when we go to college, we should do choir, so. Um, you know, there might be an opportunity to do that. So well, this, this is wonderful. This really feels like a full circle moment for me. Personally. Sure. Um, what do you hope to get out of this experience for you personally as a participant in the choir? I, again, it's hard to know where to begin. Um, so I'm looking forward um, to the bonding that will occur between the members of our choir. I think 
the closer that we are to each other, the more we trust each other, I think the better we sound. I think there definitely is an element of trust um, in choir. So there's that. Um, I'm also really excited to travel in general, um, to learn more about Germany. I've never been to Germany or London. So I know it will be an amazing experience. And yeah, just looking forward to the little surprises along the way. Wonderful. Well, Mira, thank you so much um, for being here today. Best of luck for your international performance. And, um, and, and we'll, we will be listening for you because from what I understand, um, at least the Neckargemünd portion of your trip will be available for us to listen uh, to in Missoula and maybe other uh, parts of your tour as well. But, but uh, so we will, we will have the chance, even though we're far away, to enjoy your performance on location. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Spencer Price, thank you so much for being here today and being part of the um, June episode of International Voices because you too will soon be an international voice in the sense that yes. you will be performing outside of the United States. And um, tell me a little bit about what does music mean to you and what does it mean for you to be part of a choir? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, Udo. You're uh, welcome. Pleasure to speak. Um, could you repeat the question one more time? <laughs> sure. Um, what does music mean to you? And what does it mean for you to be part of a choir? Wow. Um, two very good questions. Music means almost everything to me because I have, I have a lot of hobbies and I like to try many things, but sure. I always come back to music and I always feel like... So a constant companion? Constant companion, yeah. That's very well said. Um, and what it means more so to be in choir means I get to share it with other people in the moment too. Um, yeah, just harmonizing with other people is a much more enjoyable form of music for me because I have solo sung, but that it's, Wonderful. it's just not as rewarding as singing with other people. So the, the, the group aspect is really important to you and being part of a larger sort of um, effort. Very important, yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Um, have you performed outside of the United States before? I have. I actually did uh, in Oregon in high school. Um, we had Oregon Ambassadors of Music and we went to multiple countries. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I, I, it was a long time ago, because right, I'm 27 now, and that was probably 14 years ago that I did that. Um, but we started in France and moved east uh, up into Germany. That's where we ended, I think. Yeah, wow. it was very, very fun, and I'm super happy to go back to Europe. So at least as far, far as the Germany part of it, it's like a comeback for you. To yeah, well, I'm going to new places. I've never been to any of the places that we are going to this trip, so I'm very excited. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, what do you personally hope to gain through the trip itself? Um, well, 
For me, I am actually going to graduate and I hope to stay in Europe. So in a way, it is sort of... Um, Feeling things out? Uh, no, I've, I've felt out and I've decided. <laughs> I've decided I want to go, I want to live, live somewhere in Europe and I, I, I haven't quite decided where yet, but I um, am, this is sort of a good jumping off point sure. for the sure. journey. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you, not only for your performance um, in this international tour, but also for your international future. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thanks for being part of this. And Sophia, would you be interested to be next? Perfect. Thank you, Spencer. Yeah, thanks, Hira. Um, Sophia. Yes. Are you excited just a little bit for this trip? Maybe just a little. Maybe just a little? <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. It, uh, yeah, it means the world to me. Have you traveled internationally before? I have, but only briefly. I went to Mexico with my parents one time. <laughs> and that was not for a singing performance, but for a vacation? Just for a vacation, I yeah. See. So this, so is this will be different yes. because it's further away yes. and it's for the specific purpose of being part of a choir. Indeed. Um, what does performing mean to you in general? being part of a choir. Sure. So um, music has been such a huge part of my life for so long, uh, but I chose not to make it my major, and so I don't study music. But to be able to still be part of chamber chorale uh, and to explore that very important part of my life, uh, yeah, that means the whole world to me. And then just the adrenaline rush from performing, I just like, I can't get enough of it. It's wonderful. Well, I love this it. This is great. Well, and it's just, you know, you, the, the, the energy that you have yeah. is, is just amazing. So I can only imagine you. when you are on location how much energy you will bring into this and, uh, and, and how the people will feel that energy when you're performing. You know, I think that that is one of the most important aspects of performing. So thank you. I appreciate that. You're a welcome. Lot. Now, while this is exciting and, um, and a creative outlet, um, do you have any concerns? about being far away from Missoula, about being in a new environment um, with different languages and different cultures? Yes, um, <laughs> I am 18 years old and so this is just like, wow, what a big opportunity for someone so young. Um, and so I am nervous uh, to be somewhere where I don't speak the language, but I just am so excited to just kind of throw myself in the deep end and uh, yeah, see what, see who I am on the other side of the world. I think that's uh, that's a wonderful approach. Um, I too came here um, 30 years ago, not speaking much English, and oh, yeah. I sort of had a similar attitude. So I can appreciate um, the uh, I'm gonna jump in with both feet and I'm just gonna swim. You've just got to, because why I, not? <laughs> I agree. And and while I had you know a few times when I was sitting there. Um, trying to comprehend a lecture that I'd been to um, and I thought I understood English because I had it in school and then I realized that there was a difference between the British English and ordering a ticket at Heathrow um, oh. train station to go somewhere and to actually <laughs> um, survive in another country. Um, I do, I, I absolutely think you're right. The only way to do it is to not be afraid but to jump in and to say I can do this and wait till I'm done 
and you know what I will have gained from this. So I really think that's a great attitude to have. Thank you. Um, what are your future plans? Uh, I hope to be a speech pathologist. Um, I've got a long ways to go in that path, but uh, it's very important to me. And I also want to get my certification in music therapy so that I can kind of bring in both worlds together. Oh, what a wonderful idea. Tell me a little bit more about music therapy. Sure. So I, I don't know a whole lot about it yet, uh, but the Missoula College does offer a program. And so I'm just really excited to explore that. What a great idea. Thank and you. A nice connection to, uh, to music. Yes. Wonderful. Well, Sophia, thank you so much. Good luck to you, and, um, and I'll be listening for you, um, you. on the 17th when the, uh, when the performance is, um, is available. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank You're you. welcome. <laughs> and finishing up our student round today, and, and uh, correct me if I'm saying it wrong, Kyler? Oh, yeah, that's correct. Oh, good. Um, my next guest is Kyler Sprenger. Kyler, thank you so much for being part of, uh, of the student group today. So you are going on this international choir trip as well. How many, how many members are going? And I wanted to ask uh, Dr. Duffy earlier, and I forgot. How many people are in this group? I believe there are 34, 37 total. 37 total, wow. And um, am I correct in assuming that it is 36 students and one faculty member? Pretty close, okay, wow. Well, thank you so much for, um, for joining us today, yeah. Uh Tell me a little bit about yourself, how did you uh, connected to the choir? When, when did that start? Yeah, okay, so I am actually from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so I came up here to study music composition and freshman year I just joined Chamber Crowl and had to take a break just because COVID and everything. Sure. But yeah, I'm back in it and loving it more than ever at this point. I think that's a, actually a, a probably a good a good example and should be a motto for students to consider is when you come especially from out of state to an institution to think about what could connect me with people right away Bef before I, I ever meet anybody um, what could connect me and the idea of joining a choir um, that's pretty clever yeah. to say this is how I'm going to connect to people right away and I don't need to know much about them. I can find all of that out later, but as long as they like singing and I like singing, we have a connection. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you've been in it for now how many years? Uh, four years. This okay. Is year what are you planning when you're, when you're coming back from this uh, European singing tour? Mm, uh, well, I still have one more year to go, just okay. finishing up some things, but after I plan on getting my master's in choral conducting, so doing this international tour and going for the master class we're going to be a part of is the most beneficial thing that could have happened to me, because in the end it's really just going to like be that one thing that I take away from this trip right. and apply it right. in my actual like right field afterwards. And you are in good hands um, with Dr. Duffy as yes. an excellent 
conductor, and you will meet many other conductors that yeah. um, that will be uh, conducting their choirs in the individual locations in England and in Germany. So that oh must yeah. be pretty exciting. Are there differences in in conducting styles to somebody that? Um, that that is not really all that familiar with it or is a conductor a conductor no matter where they are regionally i i think there are many different conducting styles i think there is a straightforward way to conduct but then the conductor themselves adds their personal flair and style into their conducting um for example dr duffy i told her this uh, in one of our songs, she does this little dance move uh, just to like, it's just like on a two pattern too. She just does it and it really just adds that certain something to make us feel the piece more. And past conductors, I think I've seen their styles as well, um, just in the manner of how they approach music. Right. And yeah, when I think back about conductors that I know, very few have had dance moves, so I think that in itself um, is intriguing uh, to think about that. Um, that's wonderful. Um, thank you so much for, um, for being part of this, and I wish you all the best. I think uh, this is great. You know already what area you're going in, and you're using this experience as a way to uh, expand your horizon internationally and uh, to learn from other conductors and I think this is also um, paving the way for perhaps a, uh, a future podcast on uh, when you guys are back in the fall to sort of say hey how was it um, you know what what did you individually get out of this what were some highlights so um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking out loud here uh, probably this would be something for the fall that if you guys like and when you're back is to talk about sort of uh, in retrospect um, were there any new dance moves by any other <laughs> conductors um, that might be the opening question for the fall thank you so much thank all you. of you um, for being here today and best of luck, be safe and I look forward to hearing you uh, on the 17th yeah. and, um, and then uh, hopefully having you back in the fall for a recap of the international uh, choir tour from the Chamber Chorale, the University of Montana. Thank you guys. My next guest is Saxon Holbrook. Um, Saxon, how are you? I'm doing great, Udo. How are you doing? Fine. Nice to see you. I've known you for probably 30 years or so, but maybe some of our listeners do not. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. First, I find it hard to even comprehend that we've known each other for 30 years. For three but, decades? But yeah. I think that's, that's very accurate. Uh, well, I came here in 89, if you want to do quick math. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, um, and I think I met you very short after your We're, arrival. That's right. So, yeah. so it, it would be close to 30 years. Yeah. No, it's been a, it's been a very long time and it's been great to uh, run into you time and again throughout these years in Missoula. Thank you. Um, and it's wonderful that you're involved the way that you are now with uh, Arts Missoula and the university still. Uh, it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm curious, how did you get started with music 
where, um, where does the interest uh, in singing uh, come from? Can you trace that back? How far us? back do you want me to go? Well, no. <laughs> as, as far as you want to go. Well, um, okay, I'll do that. Um, so back in grade school, maybe middle school, um, I ended up being invited to sing with a chorus under the direction of Karen Callan. And it was the Missoula City Middle School Chorus or something. It was an extracurricular deal. Okay. And I'd been singing at the school in my music classes, but right. this was the first time I was singing with a different ensemble. And it was really a great experience. And to come full circle, Karen and I are both serving on the International Choral Festival board together right now. So I get to see her and, uh, and thank her from time to time um, for how you know she got me started. She was definitely one of my mentors. But I sang all through high school. Okay. And then when I got, uh, actually, I guess before I left high school, uh, Don Carey approached me okay. and said, you should come sing with the Mendelssohn Club. And they're a male chorus in Missoula and have been since 1945. And that was a great experience as a junior and a senior. And then I started here at the university and I ran into Don Carey at one of the Mendelssohn rehearsals. And he said, you need to be in chamber chorale and we're going to Vienna in two years. Wow. And that moment and following up on it really changed my entire life. How so? Well, I mean, I was studying physics and um, I was not studying German. I was not studying music. So I was headed more down a science right. and math path um, purely. And I think, I mean, ultimately I would have swung back or continued to do music in some level, but really, joining the Chamber Chorale and then going to Vienna was one of those pivotal moments in my life that showed me how valuable and incredible musical music is, and especially for me, choral music. Right. Um, it, it feeds me. It feeds my soul. And I haven't stopped, really, since that time. Um, fast forwarding. Uh, I did graduate from the University of Montana. I got a master's degree in computer science. I worked for in the College of Forestry for Steve Running and Lloyd Queen for 15 years. All that time I was singing in community choruses, in Dolce Canto, uh, with the Missoula Symphony. and So while jobs changed and, uh, and, and professional involvement changed, music and singing stayed through all of it. Absolutely. And it has been the like connecting fiber of my life. Right. Um, it has offered community and sure. the artistic expression and sure. the fulfillment um, of, of singing. It, it's really... And brought you to other places. Well, yes. And so, uh, <laughs> and travel, which also is experience and right. connection to people. Right. Um, so I went to Vienna in 1989 with the Chamber Chorale and we did a better part of a semester. We were on semesters instead of quarters. Then. Right. And uh, living in Vienna and studying in Vienna um, art history and music history and German of course 
Uh, Herr Acker was my first uh, professor in Vienna. He came along on that trip. Robert Acker. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that experience, living in another country and performing with Viennese choirs, really like it opened my eyes to right. the possibilities of an out a world outside of Missoula, as as well as you know the experiences you could share right. with other choirs. Um, it was so fantastic. I went back again three years <laughs> later with the next choir right. and did another semester um, in 1992. Um, what was your German at the time as far as communicating with people on location? You know, that uh, first trip, um, because I started basically my first semester, or I guess at that time it was a quarter, um, and it was it was rough, but the fundamentals were there. Right. And so my first trip, um, I spoke German better than almost the entire choir, with the exception of those students who were actual German students right. and also there with the German program. Sure. Sure. Right? Um, and I think Chuck Barthuli was one of those students that did both. Right. He did the German program and chamber chorale. But a good thing then that um, your involvement in music really served as a universal language as far as connecting to people, as far as um, creating something together. Much better than if you would have had to explain that in a language uh, using music. Yes, absolutely. And I distinctly remember, um, so we sang the Brahms Requiem mm -hmm. on that first trip with a choir, the Musikgymnasium Chor mm -hmm. in Vienna. Mm -hmm. And I remember a bus ride to a performance. We were sitting with, mixed up with the different choirs right. and we're having this conversation and, and the Brahms Requiem is in German. Right. And so as an um, English speaker, I'm singing it, I understand the translation, but I was having this very in-depth conversation that kind of bounced between English and German right. about what it was like to sing a piece that heavy and meaningful right. in your native language. Right. Because I wasn't singing it in right, my right. native language. Right. And it, it was a really fascinating conversation and connection with sure. these people intellectually sure. and musically. Sure. Uh, it was really great. So when you heard about uh, this possibility of um, participating in this European tour this summer, um, needless to say, probably you were in before it was even an in. Uh, yeah, I think that's very safe to say. Um, I wrote the check before they were asking for it. <laughs> Which is always nice when that actually happens. If there is support like that, yeah. that's amazing. But tell us a little bit about how this came together as far as for you and what it means, because you have a unique connection to one of the places where there is a professor that was here 30 years ago by now almost, um, and that you still are in touch with. Yeah. Um there are so many connections, and most of them are because of music, but, right. but some are also because of the University of Montana. Sure. So Eric Paul was here as a visiting professor. Right. We became good friends. 
Um, and that was in the early 90s? In the early 90s. I believe in 92, we visited him in Heidelberg mm -hmm. because the Mendelssohns were there for a trip. Right. And um, I, I really, I value, as much as I love music, I value connections to people. Sure. At like an order of magnitude more so. Right. And, and music for me may be that vehicle, right? How I build those connections sure. and and feed them, and um, but it's but it's really fantastic that I'm going to get to see him again on this trip because and you are visiting because we're going to Neckargemunt, which and, is which is Missoula's sister city, right? And uh, I've been there before. I was uh, in Neckargemunt when the Mendelssohns were there for a performance okay. in '92, and just for um, the listeners. The uh, connection between Neckargemünd and Missoula is in its 30th year, so it's been three decades of uh, twin cities, and there have been numerous visits of student groups that have come uh, from Neckargemünd to Missoula to attend uh, Hellgate High School. There have been numerous groups over the years of Missoula students that have gone to Neckargemünd to their gymnasium to um, experience uh, German schooling and uh, practicing uh, the German language. And many organizations such as the Mendelssohn, uh, is it a club? Mendelssohn yes, Club. Mendelssohn club. Um, and others that have gone over the years and visited each other. Uh, and I think with the choral festival here, there's been, there's been interactions in that regard and uh, uh, so there, there, there's there been numerous connections and, he and Heidelberg is just a stone throw away from Neckargemünd so um, it's really when, when one thinks of Heidelberg Neckargemünd is, is actually right there. That's wonderful. Um, so that just as a little bit of, of background so you're actually connecting to something that you were a part of when it started. Yes. Really. And, and, yeah. And and being able to come full circle. Right. And, and reestablish those connections right. or see those people again is really uh, an exciting uh, bonus. Sure. So tell us a little bit more about the Chamber Chorale. The Chamber Chorale. Um, I may be the longest standing member of the Chamber Chorale. <laughs> Because, I, you know, back when I was in college, sure. I sang at least five years in the Chamber Chorale. Okay. And I believe I'm going on my seventh year of being back in the Chamber Chorale again. Wow. And now, um, different, as a University of Montana staff member, I have the opportunity to cl take classes. And uh, sure. a number of years ago, when a new director came in, um, I thought, boy, it would be great to sing with the chamber chorale again. Right. I approached him and said, hey, do you think this would be possible? Right. And he says, sure, come to auditions. Right. You know, you have to audition just like everybody else. Sure. And uh, fortunately, I still have some chops, and, uh, you know, he let me in. And then when Corrine took over the program, um, she uh, very graciously allowed me to audition again and uh, accepted me as a member. And uh, it's, it's really been um, maybe the best benefit I could even imagine at, of being at the University of Montana. So for people listening to us, um, 
everybody uh, can addition uh, and be considered. Yes. And, um, and, and then uh, there is a process in which people are selected. Right. It's a, it's a singing audition right. and then with callbacks. Right. Um, and in the callbacks, then you actually sing with uh, smaller quartets and octets. Okay. okay. And uh, uh, Dr. Duffy does some voice matching and does this voice fit into the fabric of the ensemble? Right. And, um, do they have the musical ability to be a member sure. of the chorale? Sure. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's a majority undergraduate group. Right. There are definitely some grad students. Right. And then there are a couple who are graduates and wanted to come on the trip and are still singing. And then I, you know, I think I'm an outlier, maybe the non-traditional non student. Um, what excites you most about this, uh, this international singing opportunity? And I would think that you'll probably have lots of experience uh, singing nationally in the United States through the various affiliations that you have had. But what does it, how is that different from an international performance? The international performances offer um, entries into cultures that are very different than what we find in America. How so? Um, well, they're older, okay. right? I mean, we're going to sing in London. Right. There's been a town in London. I don't know how old these buildings are, but these are they're hundreds, if not thousands, of years old. Right. And there have been people there forever. And like, well, there are native peoples that have been in America forever. The the culture that the University of Montana and Missoula and right. maybe the Western culture is much, much is younger. Now is much younger. Right, right. And um, the ability to connect to that history right. um, while you're singing in, let's say, a cathedral right. that was built in the you know 800s. Right. Um, is, uh, the air is different. Right. The feeling is different. Right. Um, yeah, I remember um, when I was here, uh, the university turned uh, 100. I think it was in 93, if I'm remembering correctly, because I think the university started in 1893. That sounds right. And, um, or, or very close to it. And I remember at the time um, a conversation where somebody said, you know, that, that is a long time, a university that's 100 years old. And I remember a German, uh, fellow German student at the time that said, yeah, that's not bad, but try a thousand. We have, uh, you know, there are universities that are a thousand years old. And uh, so, uh, you know, there, there is, I mean, it's, it's all about the perspective. Um, and, uh, and so, yes, a, a hundred years is, is quite an accomplishment. But if you are looking at um, an environment where, uh, you know, everything, the youngest thing is a hundred years old, then then something that's old is really, really old, as in a thousand years or even older than that. Yeah, and I think you nailed it, and uh, perspective. The perspective, right. And, and, and that is something that I'm really excited to see the students right. experience, is new perspective. And, and we'll get that on the cultural level. Sure. But for me, an exciting part of this is working with other conductors. 
and because there's always a different method or a different idea about sure. the music or maybe a different way to communicate it. Right. And uh, that is really one of my favorite uh, exercises. It's, that's maybe the wrong word, but like right. singing in a choir, and, and we'll be doing this in Mark Doberdorf after the competition as a test choir for a master class. Right. So we're gonna work with, I don't know, 20 different conductors. Wow in wow. five days and uh, that's it's going to be difficult right um, but it's also going to be very interesting and rewarding absolutely and you you might have answered my next question that I was thinking of already by asking you what do you personally hope to get out of um, this uh, this return to uh, to Europe and specifically to Neckargemünd, and it's you said it's working with with diverse people. That I, I, you know, I think that's a good way to sum it up. Um, it's for me the 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 most rewarding aspect or potential for this trip will be reconnecting right. with old friends, right, and building new friendships, right, right, all while making music, right. in incredible places, right. And eating some good food and sure. having some good beer. There are some <laughs> other benefits to it, I, I would yes. agree. Um, perhaps as my last question, and I'm, I'm trying to, with this podcast, I'm trying to look at, um, while music is a form of, of communication, a form of entertainment, I think there's also and probably more important now than ever before, um, an aspect to music that might have something to do with diplomacy and actually with bringing people together and probably even people that might disagree on something else, but they could find themselves united through music. And I, I wanted to get your thought on this, if I could. Uh, I yeah, you are absolutely correct. Um, there's common ground in music. It's a common language, and it allows even very different cultures to come together and share something. Um, and, and the more we can share and the more common ground we can establish across the world, right? Um, the better it's going to be. And right. I, and and really. The world needs that right now. Um, things aren't real rosy, and uh, hopefully, our trip will enlighten, you know, students in their early twenties right. and form those connections, right. so that the next time they run into somebody who's international, like, oh wait, I sang with somebody who was right. from your country, and and not only. Um, are the performances in different countries, but the pieces that you are performing are also not all pieces that were written by American composers, but there are pieces that were written from people in Europe uh, that, uh, that make this, this journey even more diverse and internationally faceted because it's not just from one perspective, but it's multi-layered. Would you would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, Kareen, Dr. Duffy, did an incredible job programming 
this, this right. set, these two sets for this competition, we may only have one piece actually written by an American composer. It might be zero. I'm, I'm not sure uh, if uh, Noblesse, I can't remember her first name, the Kyrie, um, if she is actually American or not. Okay. But we're singing, you know, Brahms and Matsushita and uh, a Canadian composer wrote this incredible piece about uh, Haiti uh, called Amwe, uh, a, a mother that loses her sons, and it's an expression of grief. Sure. Um, and uh, and then a piece in Hebrew or Yiddish uh, that is definitely not uh, American-based. Right. Uh, just a really very wide and very very difficult array of music. Right. Well, Saxon, thank you so much. This sounds like a wonderful summer plan. Um, and uh, I, I wish you all the best, a safe journey, and um, lots of listeners. And uh, I, I'll probably see you back um, in Neckargemünd, because I will be there uh, at the same time that you will be performing there. And my plan is to uh, pop over uh, from uh, from Wiesbaden to Heidelberg, which is about a 90-minute drive or so, or or to uh, to Neckargemünd, so it's a it, it's a you know very doable. Um, in Germany, everything's doable when you think about it. The distances are never really far away <laughs> um, uh, compared to distances in Montana. But uh, so I I will see you on. Uh, the performance day, which I believe is June 17th. Is that correct? That's my recollection as well, and I'm really looking forward to it. It'll Wonderful. be great to see you there. Well, Saxon, thank you so much, and all the best. Thank you, Udo. I'm very fortunate to talk to James Randall, the director of the School of Music at the University of Montana, about his experience of, uh, or his involvement, I should say, with um, music as a way of uh, fostering cultural diplomacy. James, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Udo. And um, when I think back to when I first met you many years ago, I remember talking about, or you telling me about uh, going to Vienna and taking a group of UM students on a study abroad or a, a visit abroad trip. Mm -hmm. And um, now that um, the UM Chamber Corral is going on this European trip, uh, I thought I'll reconnect with you um, to talk about, um, well, your experiences with taking students um, outside of the United States and, and sort of w what it meant to you at the time and how you see it now sort of from you know a much larger perspective many years have passed and I hope that you can tell me a little bit about the importance of seeing music as a way to you know this old cliche of being the only universal language that right. everybody can understand but how that really sort of fits in yeah. Well, I mean, just to walk back down memory lane, I, I guess my first trip with, with students here at UM uh, to Vienna was in, in 2006. 
and it was part of uh, a semester-long Vienna experience that um, um, Don Carey and then Gary Funk, two uh, former uh, uh, chorale directors here at the university organized. And I remember my first trip there, I was just like a kid in a candy shop because I had, I'm a music historian by trade and just to be in those spaces that you, you realize inspired all of this amazing music. And there's something about experiencing music in the places that it originated that it's completely different. And for, right. for folks in Vienna, you know, uh, classical music, that's their soul music. You know, right. it's, it's Mozart, Beethoven, right. uh, Haydn. And so I just enjoyed experiencing with those students for the first time some of these birthplaces, uh, museums related to uh, particular composers. And then, I mean, the whole city is like a living museum, right. practically. And so right. I was experiencing this, this what was a, a culture that, you know, I had studied a bit, but um, to experience it is something completely different. And to share that with the students was just amazing. And since then, I guess this, uh, if, if we go again in 2023, uh, next summer, that would be my sixth trip over there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, to answer the second part of your question in terms of, um, you know, music and its kind of universality, I think in the ways that it can at least um, hint at shared emotions. And there's something about singing in a choir in particular. I mean, you're doing it all together. Right. And um, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. And, you know, neuroscientists are kind of figuring out all of these things that we've experienced anecdotally. And we know personally that um, it, it makes you feel so much um, more together. Right. Um, a, a sense of maybe a greater empathy. Sure. Um, and then just the, the, the physical effect it has on the brain is kind of amazing. So right. people that sing in choirs together, they release um, hormones like oxytocin. And, uh, you know, it, it also creates dopamine and right. serotonin. Right. And so there are all of these physical benefits that you get from um, experiencing music together that you enjoy, and, and particularly if it's participatory. Right. So... I think once you take that abroad and have the opportunity to share that um, with with others, that it just kind of heightens that kind of cultural diplomacy right. that you were talking about. And the students that I talk to that are um, members of the um, of the chamber chorale that is going over, mm -hmm. uh, they all said that being part of something bigger yeah. and um, doing it live and interacting with others in a group was something that they um, look forward to. Sure. And, um, and doing that on foreign soil yeah. adds sort of this, uh, this extra uh, angle to it or aspect to yeah. it that you probably can't quite experience if you're performing in another city in Montana because mm -hmm. you're still within the same state, you're in the same country, and so right. there is something that you can't feel because it isn't there, but mm -hmm. when you go abroad, you have that. But 
you mentioned um, something really interesting and that is the connection as you said it it's like a living museum where there is so much more than just the music that is culture related and right. so the culture and the music have a unique connection with each other and mm -hmm. one could perhaps argue that without the culture the musical experience wouldn't be the same and without um, the music any culture would mm -hmm. be at a huge loss yeah I, I, I think so and it seems like almost um, uh, one of the areas I really enjoy um, studying in music are just these uh, cross-cultural um, similarities or sometimes important differences right but it seems like you know part of our evolution as a species uh, that, that any culture around the world has a tradition of, of group singing right so it, it does seem to be something that's at some level kind of hardwired into us as, as and human beings over thousands yeah. right? over thousands of years and I think the interesting thing too is that I mean we often lose sight of this in um, you know the way uh, singing and music more broadly speaking is treated within um, Western culture it's uh, we often say it's it's a very specialist thing like it's a common thing for people to say well no I, I, I love to hear music but um, I can't sing or I'm not really musical and you know that's something that's unfortunate I think in a way that it's become a very specialist activity because everybody can benefit from you know making music together or right. using their voice and, right and you know choir is one of those activities where everybody has a voice everybody can participate right and there seem to be really benefits also in kind of social building and community building I right think. and back to this idea of building bridges or connecting a larger community what a nice way to do that as I learned from the students and uh, and from um, my conversations with them, there is this opportunity in several places, and I believe uh, England was one of them, but Germany for sure, where they there will be they will be part of a master class that mm -hmm. is actually then taught by the person on location. So right. they're interacting with somebody who is German or uh, British and who has their own style and their own way of doing things that may be closer connected to their culture. Right. And so for the students to, to stay within the medium of singing, but to have the instructor be a, from a different cultural background I think must be a unique experience as well because not every not every music teacher mm -hmm. is doing the same thing yeah that's exactly right I mean it, it's a really cool thing uh, to have this common you know background in education at a high level right, right? you're they're all um, accomplished musicians already sure. but then to understand the work uh, that they've studied and prepared um, under a different conductor, right. uh, coming from a different cultural perspective, 
who brings new insight into the piece. I mean, that's one of the amazing uh, reasons I think we can hear familiar works over and over again. Right. And um, you'll still find something new, a new interpretation that may, maybe uh, communicates a subtlety in terms of a different emotion right. or, or affect. And, and especially those cultural differences are so important for students to, 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 to learn from Right, um, and and so much of it is based around you know we understand the world because of the language that we've learned to to speak and, right, and you don't really realize I think fully until you've experienced the world through the lens of another language, how there are very different ways at looking at, at things that we've often taken for granted. So right. I think music can be an amazing catalyst for those kinds of cross cultural uh, things that might get lost in translation and then right. you, you come to a greater understanding. And it's one thing to, um, and I, I remember that with Mozart, I seem to remember from my own music education in Germany, um, growing up there and going to school, that, um, that he felt at times that certain, certain compositions had to be had to be culturally authentically sung in a certain language for it to be to come out at it at its fullest quality mm. and i remember a music teacher saying that um that mozart uh in some of his compositions insisted that um the piece was sung in italian mm -hmm. because that's what what was most um, fulfilling, yeah, and other pieces were meant for German language, and mm -hmm. and so there was this distinction within the musical genre about how important is language and the delivery of the piece in a certain language. Right. I, I think that's one of the reasons that you know music that is sung in in the language that we're most familiar with can have such a, a kind of a more deep, immediate, and greater emotional impact. Right. And, and that's partly because um, every language has its own particular rhythms right. and melodies. And so the ways that that's going to be translated into musical language will be different. Right. And even if you hear those tunes that you can imagine being sung in Italian right. or, or French or German, right. uh, when you hear those realized just on instruments alone, right. Uh, some of those qualities of the culture, the, the deep, um, deeply ingrained rhythms, melodies of that language, I think can come through even if there aren't words. So right. I think that's one of the reasons it sounds, it can sound so familiar. It just resonates with a, a sense of home or place. And connects the audience to the piece. Sure. Rather than being something that one might be scared of or yeah. afraid of because yeah. one does not really know how to interpret mm -hmm. the piece. And I think the interesting thing about that too, in as much as we've been talking about music as cultural diplomacy, especially music that has words. Right. You know, um, I like to think music, uh, music is a kind of universal language in some ways. Right. But it communicates more specifically um, uh, with, to the culture uh, from which it originated. Right. And so in that sense, you know, music, particularly choral music, has been used in the past to kind of say, 
this is who we are. Right. And then uh, also it, it implicitly implies this is who these other people are. And so it can also build up a sense of, you know, nationalism or right. be, it could be used for political purposes. Um, but I still think there's something, uh, you know, uh, deeply, um, deeply uh, something that resonates with all human beings right. when we hear, you know, tones used, communicated symbolically that kind of transcends those cultural barriers. Right. But um, yeah, it's a complicated thing. I remember um, I used to teach a class at one point, um, cultural and global competence. And I remember you were always kind enough to, and you found the time <laughs> to come and to um, talk to my students about um, world music. And I remember at the time, um, because that's probably by now uh, 10, 15 years ago, you had an iPod right? and you had music on your iPod that um, we connected in the classroom to the loudspeakers. And then you would play instruments that were off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. um, uh, perhaps uh, um, a string instrument or uh, some kind of a wind instrument. I remember at one point distinctly you played a piece that was difficult for the students to identify and it turned out it was throat singing. Right. And, yeah. and they first thought it was an instrument and then they realized there was no instrument at all and mm -hmm. it was, well, it was the voice box of right. a person. But the fact that they could generate a sound that was so deep and so not at the tip of one's tongue, right. but generated way back in your throat um, was a new experience for students. And so that's why when you used to come in for these uh, guest presentations on, um, on world music, it was interesting even for me to listen to um, completely different sounds an instrument would produce and then wanting to know more about the instrument. Yeah. Because if it's something that you don't know, you're curious about it mm -hmm. and you start asking questions. What is it made out of? Uh, how is it built? How big it is? Right. Uh, all of those things. Yeah. And, um, and so based on that, I'm sure that the students will encounter perhaps something that is, you know, an instrument that may not be a typical instrument you would find um, in Missoula or in Montana even. Right. Um, but then it's also difficult to find a country fiddle in Munich. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, but for them to, to be able to enjoy and learn about instruments that, uh, that they might not be familiar with, along with the music, mm -hmm. may be an added benefit. Yeah, and I, I, I actually love it when musicians of different backgrounds, different styles of playing, uh, get together and just have the opportunity to sort of jam, right. like, improvise uh, together. Because the whole history of music is full of these uh, points of contact between cultures. Sometimes it's because of war, sometimes it's because of immigration, sure. migration. 
but the interesting thing that, that happens in terms of uh, the development of new musical styles, it, it's difficult for musicians to kind of turn their ears off right. and not be influenced by something new they hear that they're attracted to. Right. So um, understanding some of those historical transformations where two cultures have had contact and then what comes of it musically is often really interesting and it, it speaks to, I think it has a, um, a, an often a great effect on, on how different cultures find a way to live with one another right. or share borders. It's, right. it's because of these things that they can kind of share and have some kind of common enjoyment of, whether it's music or food right. or, or dancing. Right. These kind of communal things sure. that we all do as human beings, right. uh, they have the capacity to really um, uh, build a greater sense of community. Right. Um, the students that will uh, perform in Germany and in England mm -hmm. will come back enriched. Yeah. And when I talk to them, they were already super excited um, about uh, this upcoming opportunity and um, all the things that they hope to get out of it. When students come here from other places, mm -hmm. um, either because of the Vienna connection or because of the International Choral Festival, mm -hmm. um, those people will have the same experience than the students going from here. They will go to a place they've never performed. They will interact with people they don't know. They will learn about musical styles and perspectives from people in Missoula. How does this benefit the larger community when people come from a different place and perform in a community like Missoula? In other words, what do Missoulians get out of this? If somebody listens to this and says, I've never gone to Vienna and I don't plan to go. Um, <laughs> how could that person um, benefit from this? Yeah, I mean, um, Missoulians in particular, I, I've, I've sort of, I mean, I joined the community in 2004 when I got here, but I've always been amazed at their sort of openness and curiosity. Absolutely. Um, uh, and just being open to hear things right and, and to ask uh, questions that were are very genuine uh, and you know in the efforts to, to learn a little bit more about uh, what they they don't understand um, I think that's a good sort of cultural um, baseline that we have here in Missoula but I think so important for um, you know when I think of activities like the International Folk Festival that just started in Butte. Right. And particularly if folks in Montana, um, you know, we have, it's a big state, it's, right. it's, it's rural, and I think people really look to communities like uh, uh, Missoula and then Butte with the International Folk Festival, uh, Bozeman, uh, because they're interested in, um, you know, hearing a little bit more learning more about the outside world, uh, and that's easiest to do in some of these larger, more metropolitan communities in, in, uh, in Montana. I think it has a, a great effect um, uh, between generations too, mm -hmm. because just thinking about, 
uh, it, it's been um, since 1980 that the Vienna experience started this study, study abroad um, from the University of Montana, the International Choral Festival, been, it's been going for many years. And you, you, you learn about uh, parents you know, sending their students here for this exchange program that they, they want students to be a part of. Right. And then also uh, families that enjoy every three years the International Choral Festival right. and, and want to introduce their, their kids, their grandkids to these same experiences. Right. And so, it's kind of yeah. neat that for the size of Missoula, Right. Um, there are these opportunities. I mean, it's yeah, one you, thing if you lived in Seattle or in Los Angeles or in New York, right. where there is naturally a yeah. lot more mm -hmm. of this happening. But I always thought um, that what is so unique about Missoula is that while it is tucked away in the Rocky Mountains, <laughs> it has these great connections yeah. and interests you know, of people from around the world mm -hmm. to come here. May that be for the choral festival to perform, or um, when we have international performances on campus, yeah. or in the community, the people go to it. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I think for people to have opportunities to go and um, participate in, in some kind of a, an exchange of musicians, artists, um, whoever, professionals that are interested in finding out how things are done somewhere else. Right. And so I always thought that, you know, that is so unique, unique about Missoula is that there is this interest mm -hmm. um, and this openness, like you said. I mean, when I came here 30 years ago, uh, that was one of the first things that I noticed was how genuinely interested people were. And... Um, you know, you, you have an accent and you are in the grocery <laughs> store and you pay and uh, somebody behind you says, you know, did I You're detect from a, here? Yeah, yeah. Did I detect an accent? You're probably not from here. And, um, and the conversations that oftentimes resulted from that and sometimes dinner invitations oh, where somebody would say, better. oh yeah, Germany. I was, you know, stationed in Germany with the Air Force. And, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden, while you're, you're getting your groceries in a bag, you have this great conversation and that ends in a dinner invitation on a Saturday uh, to meet the whole family that was stationed in, mm -hmm. in Germany and, and, and all of that. I remember way back when, and, uh, and it hasn't changed because people that are now coming, you know, international students, we have the Humphrey Fellows on campus, right. they're reporting the same thing. Yeah. So some things never change, which is nice. Well, and, and speaking to that history, every time we go uh, to Vienna, um, I try to take students to this particular um, uh, restaurant. It's a mom and pop operation. And years going back, they've had students sign in. And so our students can look back and um, oh, how neat. see these a names. Guest book. Yeah, a guest book. And, and the, the, uh, the person who, who uh, runs the restaurant always comes out and greets the students and, and will ask these interesting questions about Missoula, you know, because they, they built this long-term relationship right. with uh, these students that uh, by happenstance end up in the program. Right. Um, 
you know, year. So if you year. if you don't go one year, do they say next year, Dr. Randall, where have you been? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it, <laughs> and connections. Like, there's also this this lovely um, this lovely gentleman who curates. Uh, it's a funeral museum in uh, in Vienna, and he's just full of stories, and he knows uh, Vienna cemeteries and their funereal practices better than anybody else. It's just as a performer and entertainer. And so it's those kind of long-term connections that I think gives me hope for the future in terms of like international connections and that right. we really can get along if we only have these moments where we're introduced to one another right. as, as people, right. not as ideologies. Right. Uh, and and um, I, I think it is in human beings' nature to be compassionate, empathetic, and to make these connections on a personal level. So anytime we can encourage that, all the better. Right. Yeah. Any last words from your past travels, from having taught uh, music history and uh, world music classes, given guest lectures, presentations, interacted with students, faculty. Any last words on, on uh, what you hope for? In a hmm. time uh, like right now, when we all sort of try to hang on to something that ties us over right. um, out of the current dilemma. Yeah. And uh, there seems to be no shortage of that. <laughs> so um, any sort of experience you can share or anything that, that gives hope? Um, well, I really do think that if you can get folks together for a good meal where you're, you're sharing you know, food, that means something to you, and right. food's connected with, with family and everything. Right. If you share a song that you can all sing together, and if you can raise a glass and, and make a toast, I think <laughs> that's, that's probably the best we can do for diplomacy, but um, we'd be, yeah, we'd be on the right track. Dr. James Randall, a director of the School of Music at the University of Montana, thank you so much for your time today and um, for um, sharing your experience with us and for giving us a positive outlook. <laughs> Thanks, Udo. Cheers. Cheers. Many thanks to all our guests today for sharing their passion for music and singing, their motivation for performing in front of audiences near and far, and for believing in the power of sound that can bring people together. To the listeners near and far, please join me again next month for a new episode of International Voices. As always, thank you for listening. Those of you who are regularly tuning in to International Voices know, being of German descent, I usually end with a German farewell. Dankeschön fürs Zuhören. International Voices is brought to you by Arts Missoula Global and The Trail 1033. This and previous International Voices podcasts can be found at artsmissoula.org and the trail 1033.com. Mm -hmm.